Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is the number one international best-selling author, speaker, and creator of the seven ethical principles of persuasion, Akbar Sheikh. Welcome to the show, dude. Super excited to have you on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'd love it if you can give our audience some some background on you. Like I said, at the start, I've been following you for a while, so this has kind of gone full circle for me, which is quite fun. Um, I love doing that with guests uh, where I've been a fanboy and then end up getting you on the show. So I'd love if they can find out some of the, some things about you as well. Sure, man. Uh, what would you like to know? Well, tell us, what do you do uh, and how do you get into it? Well, I'm a business coach. I help scale any high-ticket entrepreneur, um, you know, just to seven figures and beyond. We do that by helping them inject ethical principles of persuasion into their business. Uh, we find that most people's fundamentals are broken, their traffic strategy, their offer, their mindset, their messaging, their funnels, their sales process all these things that are required to uh, operate a seven-figure business. And um, we just help to uh, rectify those broken elements. And that's really what we do. How do we get in it? Long story short, I just, you know, I had an opportunity. I, I got my start in the internet world in network marketing, which I didn't really like uh, or came to realize I didn't like, although I got rather good at it. But um, I didn't like it. I learned a lot about psychology of sales, but I didn't like it. And what ended up happening one day is I had a $20,000 commission check in the mail, which is pretty life-changing. And that same day, I did a free pro bono consult for a non-for-profit kind of company here in Dallas. And I got more pleasure out of that pro bono call than I did that $20,000 check. And that's when I kind of wrapped up my network marketing business. And I actually went and I worked for that, uh, kind of my first, sort of my first job with a non-for-profit kind of company here in Dallas, which is why I moved here. And I worked with them for a while. We helped them kind of double, triple business, what have you. Same things, ethical principles, persuasion. Okay. You need better emails, you need better videos, you need better messaging, you need better scarcity, you need better elements of your business. And when I left there, I realized, well, okay, I'm pretty good at this. And I, I, it kind of just clicked to me, man. I'm like, well, wait a minute. These guys are like industry leaders and so much of their stuff was broken and nothing negative about them. It's, it's basically everybody pretty much. Uh, they're great people. And I realized, well, wait a minute. I, I'm good at this. I know what's broken. Most people have, most businesses have these elements broken. So I can just go kind of help other people do this. And I have been ever since for, I don't know, I think it's been five years now or something like that, four or five years. And um, yeah, man, we've just been helping people in all different niches, 
all different stages all around the world. I've handed out over 50 trophies, helped our clients collectively make over $50 million. Long story short. You talk about ethical persuasion. What do you mean by that? Uh, the art of selling, really. How, how does one sell? Uh, how does one convince someone to buy? Uh, there's, a, there's an art form to it, which I do enjoy quite a lot, actually. Um, I, I enjoy that quite a lot, frankly. And you see, when you master that, you kind of never have to worry about money again because you know uh, how to do it. And most people don't. In other words, well, uh, let, let's take one of the ethical principles of persuasion is scarcity. Uh, one can say FOMO. Now, when operated properly, you see uh, someone who does it very well is, uh, I don't know if you guys have this in New Zealand, but we have in, 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 in America, we have something called Black Friday. I'm sure you have something similar. And it's a one-day retail uh, sale where it's you know these crazy sales. And if you don't come in this day at this time, you're going to miss out. And usually it's at some ungodly, you know, time in the middle of the night or something like that, midnight or something. And although over the past recent years, they've evolved it, but they've honed in so well on this concept of scarcity that actually every year, factually, people literally kill other people uh, by trampling over them to get into the store. Uh, this is a published fact. It's kind of very unfortunate. But that's scarcity. Now, other people, you've seen this everywhere. Oh, there's only five spots. Oh, there's only five minutes left. And these things work very well throughout the course of time. You can only buy this today. After today, it's gone. There's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. There's an unethical way to do it. And an unethical way to do it is, well, we only have, uh, you know, for example, sake, um, uh, good God, for example, sake, well, listen, it's $1,000 today. But tomorrow it's going to be $2,000. And then you go back three weeks later and it's still $1,000. You know, basically an honest, you know, you can say ethical or you can say honest or what have you. But, you know, there's an ethical way to do it. And I think a lot of people don't do that. And, and I think it's not because, they, not because they're bad people or dishonest or unethical people. I think it's just because they don't know any better. And I think it's such a historically new industry that it's kind of just the blind leading the blind. And they see other people doing it and they figure, okay, it's okay. I guess it's just standard. I guess, I guess that's just how it works. Uh, but in fact, that's not how it works because you see at the end of the day, business is business. Yes, in fact, this online world is completely new, historically speaking. Uh, but business is business and, and, and the fundamentals of business have primarily stayed the same since the first ever transaction. One of the first ever business transactions ever recorded was uh, trading volcanic glass off the coast of Fiji thousands of years ago. Those same principles are still applied today. It's just that the uh, medium changes. The, the mode of where the business is uh, transacted or conducted has changed. They used to conduct business in flea markets, the marketplace, or the, what was called then the marketplace or the bazaar, uh, oddly enough, the funny name for it. But um, today is modern day flea markets. They used to just you know, put tables up. Then ships and trains were invented and they conducted business by that. Then brick and mortar was invented, retail stores, they conducted business there, mail business. The post office was invented and they conducted business via mail. Then the internet came about and then they conducted business via the internet. Now crypto has come out, blockchain technology has come out, they're conducting business on that. But the principles remain the same. You see, and, and, and how can I illustrate that to you? If you go on a typical sales page today, 
go to apple.com and see the way they sell you their product. The psychology of how they're selling you in the 70s and such, before the internet was out, 70s, 80s and such, you would actually get these sales letters mailed to you at home. And they would write you this length, this letter, and it was a sales pitch, and then they tried to sell you a product. If you compare those letters to the sales pages on apple.com and the different websites today, it's the same thing. It's just two different modes, mediums, compartments, houses, uh, where, where the business is conducted. I think people don't realize that. They think, oh, the internet's new. You see, when the camera first came out, people would go like this, put the cross up. They thought it was they would take a piece of your soul. Uh, because it was new technology. Now everyone and their mother has got, you know, camera tied to their hip, right? I mean, do you know a single person without a camera? I mean, I actually have gotten a flip phone and I will be transitioning to that. I will be one of the few people, you know, without a camera on me at all times. But, um, and we can get into that topic a little later. But there is a general misconception about how to conduct business online. And I think that problem is highlighted uh, and become painfully obvious because one of the reasons is you have a bunch of entrepreneurs, uh, people who are in fact not entrepreneurs, nor are they entrepreneurial, nor do they understand the fundamentals of entrepreneurship, but they are trying to uh, conduct business online. Why? Generally speaking, because they don't they don't have any other options. They don't know what else to do with their life. Um, and, and some uh, savvy marketer uh, has convinced them that anybody can do it. Uh, when in fact, that's not true. Uh, in fact, that's not true. Not just anybody can wake up and, and, and just magically become an entrepreneur without uh, profoundly studying it in, 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 in a deep way. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just rambling at this point, but these are just some of my thoughts. No, I, I agree. I think that a lot of people uh, think that they can, can, just start a business. I guess it's been popularized, right? Like everyone wanted to be a, you know, a sports person and everyone wanted to be a, a rapper and, uh, you know, a, a singer. And now everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I, I think that the, the the point you're making is that selling is like, I, I, I was just on a, another podcast talking to, to, to somebody else about this, this exact concept that we're always selling. There's just, there's good ways of doing it. And and less good ways and unethical ways. And then, you know, ways that are not as efficient. Um, anybody who's got kids knows that, you know, you've got to sell your kids on stuff, right. Get them to wear pants, um, oh, yeah. get them to not eat ice cream, you know, uh, all day, every day. I have to make every day. Yeah. <laughs> so we all have to sell. It's just, you know, I, I think reconciling that. What, why do you think that so many people have a bad taste in their mouth when they, they, they think about selling they want to say, you know, I don't, I don't sell. I don't like to sell people. And I'm like, well, that's a sale in and of itself. Like it's no. ironic. You know, I'm of the business of not convincing anybody that they need to sell. If you don't believe you need to sell them, business is not really for you. Those who don't like to sell. I've never met an entrepreneur who can't sell or, and, or to some level even enjoys the sale, the hunt, mm. the kill, the, uh, the primitive aspect of it. Um, I, I have yet to meet someone, uh, now I can't do sales calls anymore. I've burnt out from that, but, uh, uh, that's a different story that, you know, no, no, nobody wants to kind of do it all day. I mean, no, an entrepreneur is more of a, well, technically what an entrepreneur is supposed to be. And this is another thing people don't understand is technically what an entrepreneur ideally is supposed to be, uh, traditionally is a, is a visionaire. 
and they have a vision, and then they put pieces together, a team, to build that vision. Uh, in fact, they're supposed to be the conductor. And um, the problem becomes with, with the new, with the newbies, so to speak, is that they 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 just kind of try to do everything themselves without a plan to get out of that. You know, they they do the sales, the marketing, the the funnels, the websites, the um, just everything, the fulfillment, the everything, and that's not really entrepreneurship. That's kind of hustling or buying yourself a bit of a job. So I think there's a little bit of a confusion on that on that front. Yeah, I I so I work with a lot of uh, health professionals. That's that's my thing. Is I help them to 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 build better businesses, and it's quite frankly because of that very reason. Most practice owners have fallen into business in trying to not be controlled by someone else and to do their own thing. They start a practice, but they're they're really a practitioner at heart, trying to then do everything, and it, it doesn't yeah. really work. And that's just, like, I've got friends that, you know, started cake businesses and design businesses and things like that because they just loved baking or they loved drawing pictures. Yeah. And it's like, that's yeah. a terrible reason to get into business, in my opinion, yeah. uh, because you're not, you're just owning your job and you're, you're actually creating more headaches for yourself. You'd be sometimes better off working for somebody and, and as an employee doing the craft, maybe, than to, yeah. to open up this can of worms that's going to destroy uh, your soul. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you do a lot with charity and and philanthropy and and trying to give back, especially in in, in the business side of things. I'd love to talk about that a bit. Like, how do you, uh, what what made you want to do that? How do you marry the two of them together? Because often there's this in business, it's going to make a whole lot of money, and I'm going to grow this thing really massive and make heaps of money. Uh, but then it's like, well, but but why am I doing it? And how is it giving back? And I'd love to talk about that because I know that my audience is really interested in it. It's interesting. Material money is cool. It's fun. Um, I enjoy materialistic things. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, very recently, a lot of my toys have broken. My I have a you know very kind of I suppose expensive pen, and my son, I don't know if you can see it, but he broke. He threw it, and he broke the the cap. So this is broken. Uh, my my Breitling watch is uh, at the repair shop. That's broken. Uh, my Bentley, the the motor broke on it. Uh, so it's interesting because my house, we have a nice house, but there's constantly repairs going on in there. It's interesting because my life is not any different with out those possessions. They, they serve their purpose. They're fun. I don't think materialist, I don't think materialistic toys are bad. I don't think that we live, I, I live well. We, we eat organic food. We send our kids to very nice schools. We go on nice holidays. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I, I, I encourage it. It's great. Why not live life to its fullest? Um, but I do believe that one should try to also, in fact, give to the fullest as well. And for me, uh, it's, it's a bit of a, honestly speaking, it's a bit of a natural thing. You know, um, I think a lot of people are not too interested in giving. For me, it, it Frankly speaking, it's a bit of a genetic thing. Uh, my family uh, historically has is, is always been entrepreneurs and historically they've always kind of given back. Um, you know, my ancestry had a great charity in um, Kenya. Uh, my uncle currently has a, a pretty thriving organ charity organization in Pakistan. My family here in, D in Dallas has a pretty, pretty prominent uh, charity organization. Uh, a relative of mine. 
so it, it's kind of a bit in our blood in the sense that, um, you know, I grew up with that. I grew up with my dad. You see, I, I think a lot has to do with how you grow up or how, or how you, as a matter of fact, I have a poster here. It says, what does it say? It says the, the key to success is playing the hand you were dealt. Like it was the hand you wanted. So, you know, people, some people come up with excuse. Well, I grew up poor and da, da, da. Well, well, okay. So you use that as an excuse to be poor. Other people use that as fuel to become successful. I, I grew up in, in an interesting environment where I was exposed to a lot of money early in my life. I would be a cashier at my dad's store. My dad had a dollar store. So for example, it's like weekends were very busy. And this is a time where dollar store concept was new. So weekends would be busy. There'd be $10,000 in a day, no problem. And I would be standing there collecting cash all day as a child, uh, as a cashier. And even more, there'd be days where it's more than, a lot more than that. And so I, I, uh, money was never kind of a scarce thing to me. We didn't grow up rich, but it, it was something that I was like, well, I was handling it. Do you know what I mean? I was constantly. So I never had a scarcity mindset about money. I view money as oxygen, uh, like oxygen, uh, as an analogy. Uh, nobody ever breathes slowly or holds their breath because their fear oxygen is going to run out. I have the same uh, relationship or feeling about money. I feel that money never runs out. I think that our governments have proven that as well. If they ever seem to run out, they all, well, they simply just print some more. Uh, so it seems like it, to me, it's a never ending supply. And if you know how to, how to sell, you can just get what you want. But back to the philanthropy aspect of it, it's hard for me to explain. I mean, if you really want to boil it down, look, we are probably, you and I are probably in the top 1%. Uh, we have a roof over our head. We have safety. We have health. We have our kids go to school. Um, you know, we have cars. A lot of people don't know in the West. Uh, I, I think a lot of people don't know what third world countries are like. Uh, they don't have these things. As a matter of fact, a lot of, a lot of them don't have these things. As a matter of fact, um, in Africa, for example, so where we, where we very um, happily have built many, many wells, they take their kids out of school to walk three hours a day to just go get clean water and they have buckets and they carry buckets on their head. Uh, well, we just turn a faucet on. So I think always I have this uh, concept that, you know, we are all very quite blessed and I think we should take this blessing and help those who are not as blessed because it's not their fault. They were born there. It's not their fault that they were born. I'll just use Kenya as an example where, you know, my family was born what did they do that they don't have any water? So God has blessed us with some funds. Why not use it for good? And by the way, let's talk about something. What else do you want to do with the money? How many cars do you want? How many watches do you want? How many pins do you want? I mean, what, what, how many NFTs do you want? Um, I suppose from some people get greedy. I will say I'm not much of a financial planner. So it's not like I have heaps saved up. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember once my accountant looked at my books and says, why don't you just change I, I, my company structures? Why don't you just change it to a non-for-profit? Because we, try, we do try to donate a good amount when we can. And I will say, I, I will say that I am probably fiscally irresponsible in the sense that, you know, the, I've never, you see, because I'm not afraid, I, I don't have a fear of 
money. So some people have large reserves. They have six months reserves and things. I, I don't. I don't have anything like that. I don't fear any rainy day. I, I study and, and, and try to craft and master uh, skill sets that can make generate revenue. Um, if, if, if everything I had was gone, it's no problem. We'll, you know, with these skill sets, we can, God willing, um, generate revenue. So I look, it's about highs. You know, it's about people getting highs. You know, what, what gets you high? I have a cousin who, if he goes to a hotel and he'll get a free pen, that's his high. I'm not going to say unfortunately, unfortunately, but like I get a high off of really nice pens, you know? So some people get a high off of like, oh, I went, you know, of, 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 of saving a lot of money. Some people get high off of spending a lot of money. Some people get high from giving. Um, so I think I, I enjoy giving. I enjoy spending. I enjoy giving. It's just something I enjoy doing. And it, to me, it's just logical, man. I just feel like, what, what am I going to do with it? You know what I mean? And, and these people really need it. They really, really need it much more than we do. Much more than we do. As a matter of fact, I should probably give more as I'm, as I'm listening to myself out loud. Um, I should probably give more, you know, um, but you do have to take care of your family and, and things of that nature. You know, I am curious to talk to people, have honest conversations with people as to why they don't uh, give. Cause I found out a lot of people don't and that, that's actually why we founded the Make More, Give More movement, by the way. One year, years ago, accountants said, hey, man, we're really proud of you. You, you seem to uh, donate a lot. And I was like, oh, man, I think you did the books wrong. I was like, I only donate around 10%. And they're like, no, 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 we know. And like, most people don't do that. I'm like, really? And, and, and when they said that, it was like a punch the gut and the throat at the same time. It's like, what? Really? Why? And I just think that most people don't know. I think, look, my opinion of people is, is frankly quite high. You know, the other day a guy says, hey, man, you have a reputation for being an ethical entrepreneur. I said, you know, I don't think that's entirely fair. First of all, I'm human. I sin plenty. Okay, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you. I just, think I, I just think that I talk about it more than other people. But you see, I think inherently people are very good. I think that we're God's creation, God's finest creation. I think... My experiences with people is that they're generally good. I just don't think that they know what's going on outside their bubble. And so if they do know, I think they'll give. Um, so that's why we found the Make More, Give More movement is to uh, make people aware of what's going on and that if you've been blessed, uh, you know, we should uh, do our part in, in, in improving the quality of mankind. Um, I'd love to get your your view on charity and giving, because as you have worked with clients and and help people to improve the situation, there is often a plethora of resources available, but it's a person's ability to use the resources and to become resourceful. The 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 saying of you know give a man a fish, give a man a fish, or you know fishing rod, etc. Um, what's your view around that? and giving because i've i've been to, yeah. to to india absolutely loved it and love what you said right about like people people haven't seen real real poverty and, and when there's three generations living on the street cooking dinner and they have done for 50 years like yeah. it's, it's a different kind of yeah. you know um how, and yeah you can, how do you see that you can re yeah i i wish people, more people saw that and they went to these places because man for not a lot of money 
you could change a lot of lives. I'll tell and you that right they, the, you know, that I, I feel like sometimes we suffer more in the Western world with only not having quite as nice as the next person compared to how some of these people live with almost nothing. Um, we saw kids literally playing in, in trash, having the time of their life and yeah. they're connected to their families and having, and, and, and there's happiness and love when there's nothingness. Now there's human rights issues here and human, human, you know, needs not being met, but like this, this perspective is, it's interesting. Well, you have the liberal media and uh, entertainment industry that has uh, brainwashed and polluted society with their idiotic um, movements. Take, for example, the show Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Did anyone ever ask themselves, why did they, why did they call it that? There's an old saying, Keeping Up with the Joneses. Oh, man, the neighbors got a Range Rover. Man, we only have a Toyota. Damn. Okay, we got to get a Range Rover. And now people watch things like Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And I'm not picking on them particularly. I'm more picking on the concept because they're just pawns in, in the scheme. People, oh, well, you know, she's got, she's got this makeup. Okay, well, she's got that. She's got this. I got to get that. Otherwise, I won't be pretty. Uh, it's, it's a shame. And that's one thing I actually really like about New Zealand and Australia is, is the women there are, I think, uh, not a victim to like these evil makeup corporations in, in, in the West where they've actually, and, and, and people don't know this because they don't know the psychology of sales, uh, but these makeup companies have made women feel unpretty unless they wear makeup, uh, which I think is, is one of the most despicable and, and disgusting things. And it's such a shame to make, make someone feel unpretty unless you buy my thing. Um, India is, is, is quite guilty of this as well. They sell whitening cream. Yeah, fair and lovely. Yeah, fair and lovely. Say, oh, dark isn't beautiful. White is yeah. beautiful. And my, my, my six-year-old daughter, my six-year-old daughter, who's darker like myself, so I wish I was, I wish I was whiter. I wish I was whiter, whiter like my teacher. And I had to explain to her, I said, you know, brown is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. But even at a young age, because she watches YouTube and she gets all that crap, which we try our best to get, you know, not, you know, avoid all that. But, but yeah, man, there's a lot of evil out there. But, but uh, back to your question about, uh, I'm a big believer in fishing rod. 100%. The fishing rods are my favorite charity. Okay. So if someone's dying of thirst, I don't want to give them a bottle of water because, well, then you're just thirsty half an hour later. Uh, I want to build you a well. So you're going to keep getting water and we're solving the root cause. Now, don't get me wrong. I've sponsored things. We're feeding a thousand people, blah, blah, blah. You also have to, people have to eat too. Okay. People have to eat too. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not my passion. My passion is more the fishing rod, the water wells, the schools, the, you know, the, the things that will change, the things that will fix the root problems. Um, so that, that's what gets me high. But honestly, that, it doesn't matter what gets me high. The question is what makes you high? If feeding people makes you high, great, good. People need it. No, nothing wrong with that. I think there's some very obscure and bizarre charities out there that are, you know, we're spending millions of dollars getting wheelchairs for squirrels or whatever. I, okay. But I mean, you realize that there's human beings dying, right? And you've got this like charity collecting millions of dollars for wheelchairs for squirrels. I mean, it's a little ridiculous to me. 
But, you know, uh, I think that's a bit of evil at play, if you want my honest opinion. <laughs> because, you know, there is, in my in my opinion, there is it is black and white. And, you know, people have suggested I don't speak so black and white. But, it, look, human is God's uh, finest creation. I mean, in the West, it's kind of ridiculous, you know, the way they treat pets over here, right? I mean, they, they, these pets are wearing... Uh, you know, some of the, you have some of these pets over here that, that are wearing $10,000 diamond chokers. Uh, and yeah, you have them going to spas and this and that. And maybe it's relative. If they're giving a lot of money, then it's fun. And if they're the income bracket, but you know, it, it, I find it very odd to see pets being treated so well and then human beings dying on the streets of starvation. I, I find it quite, uh, quite a polarizing image, but that's, uh, that's another rant. Some, something I, uh, something I, uh, have trouble reconciling is at what point is there re- reduction of short-term suffering for enablement of f- future suffering? So for example, if if I'm on an island and a plane is flying over at random intervals, dropping off food, I'm going to build a nice hut and wait for the plane um, because someone will save me. And, it, and, it, and we know this you know, you can condition pigeons to dance by giving them bird seed at random intervals, and it thinks that the dancing got at the bird seed. So, I, I believe that our brains are conditioned to look for uh, opportunities to spend the least amount of energy. And so, my fear has been with some things, and this, whether it goes for clients, whether it goes for my kids, whether it goes for charities, is putting a band aid on a on a knee without teaching somebody to not slip over or to, you know, wear a knee brace yeah. or, or whatever. And where yeah. is the line in, in a charitable sense? Because when I was in India, there were kids that would come up and, you know, the, the thing was you, you didn't give them money because the money would, wouldn't go to them. It would go to, to gangs. And, and begging over there is horrendous. Like they would they take babies and I don't want to get into, you know, cutting arms off and whatnot to, to make more victims on the street for gangs. But even with, with feeding the kids, am I – setting up and perpetuating a uh, a culture of well I will wait for the the guilty tourist to to provide food versus like we said the fishing rod etc so I'd love to hear your it's something that I I struggle with I'd love to hear your your opinion around that um with short-term suffering long-term suffering enablement with charity things like that yeah I mean it's it's a it's a very interesting question it's very complex uh, topic. I mean, you know, you, you talk about the greater good. I give you a very interesting philosophy that that goes on at my uncle's charity. He has a great charity. It's called the uh, the Newer Project. Take a look at it. And Newer means light. There's different divisions there. Uh, as a matter of fact, recently, uh, you know, we built some classrooms there. Now, these are called vocational classrooms. There's Couples there. Now, now this is the kind of systematic uh, change that I like to be involved in. There's families there where the husband works and they have many kids and they're just like barely scraping by, okay? They probably have like a child that they can't really afford to send to school, so they stay home. They eat rice, call it rice and beans, they're equivalent to rice and beans. And they are just, I mean, they're just living bare bones. Well, uh, how do you break that poverty cycle? Well, in those cultures, the women were not very well educated and they don't really work. 
And so what we've done is we've built some what's called vocational classrooms. And that actually takes the women of those families and trains them in different fields. One of which, for example, is to uh, become a beautician. One of which is to become a seamstress. One of which I believe, don't quote me, I believe is mobile uh, phone repairs. Um, So different kind of careers they can get into. Well, wait a minute. Now we just kind of doubled household income. And now we're dramatically improving the quality of life. By training them, uh, giving them a skill that that they can you know profit off of, we are now really changing lives. On the other end of the spectrum, it, it, it has a feeding center, and they've fed I don't know I I, I want to say a million meals. Don't quote me, but they've fed a lot of meals. And there was a guy who said, "Man, you know you why are you doing this? Why don't you just concentrate more on the fishing rods?" He says, "Listen, people got to eat." Because if you're starving, how the hell can you do anything? You got to have a, you got to have, you know, like if you've ever not eaten all day, you know how you are at the end of it, you're just angry, upset, going nuts, crazy. You can't, you can't focus on anything. You can't be productive. You need food and your body is almost putting you in a state of like emergency where it's telling you, forget everything else, go find food, survival mode. So you do have to quench that thirst quite literally. Uh, in order for them to be able to get additional training, uh, another uh, form uh, to grow their business, if they have one, for example, it's like one of the things I actually really enjoy is microfinancing. Microfinancing is so cool. You know, in America, in the West, right, or whatever first world country, it's like if you have a business, it's like, hey, lend me a million dollars. I need to like buy two machines. And, you know, it's like, you know, so some businesses, you know, they need a lot of money to do a little bit. But in third world countries, it's like a guy has, I'll give you an example. I think this guy had a peanut shop somewhere. I don't remember what country. I want to say Africa. I don't know. But he had a peanut shop. The guy's got like five kids. He's putting like three of his kids through school. He cannot afford to put the other two kids through school. Cycle of poverty is going to continue. There's no banking system over there. Okay. This guy is living penny to penny. They say check to check. He's living penny to penny. He's working all day, every day. He can't expand his business because everything he makes, he's putting into, he only has one machine. One machine, it's it's simple math. One machine can only produce 10, I'm just using rough math. One machine can only produce 10 bags of peanuts a day. He can only sell those peanuts for a dollar a bag because all the competition around the block is selling them for a dollar. He can't do any more than that. So it's a fixed cost. Uh, He has one machine and he's producing 10 bags a day. He can only make $10 a day, for example, sake. Man, there's but but there's demand. There's demand for more. He cannot fulfill that demand. So now we come in and for like nothing, for a couple of hundred dollars. This is nuts. I mean, I really want people to think about this because this is this is absolutely nuts. For a couple of hundred dollars, I can buy this guy another machine. I've now just doubled his revenue. He can now put those kids in school. Those kids will get educated and they won't be begging on the streets for a couple of hundred bucks. I mean, you're literally changing the course of a family's history for a couple of hundred dollars. I mean, that is, I mean, my, I have somewhere here, $1,100 shoes. That's how we are here in the West. Right. But it's like, dude, for a couple of hundred dollars, 
going to change the next hundred years of this family's life. I mean, it's nuts. So I think, I think when you know these things, then I think it can become exciting and addicting and fun. I just don't think enough people know about it. No, I agree. I, I, I like that perspective and it's, it's, it's confirmed some things in my head, you know, when you got things that are going on and then you hear something and it just starts to align a little bit more. Yeah, I like yeah. that because it, it, it has been something for me that I've gone, hang on, there's a, there's a cycle here that has to be broken. And the, and, and the coach in me uh, that, that coached myself, that coaches my kids, that, you know, coaches clients says we have to break the cycle. But that's also from a perspective uh, where there, there, is a, there is a base of obviously feed myself during. But when you're, when you're in a situation, it's chicken or egg. And the reality is that, well, well you, you have to eat and you have to change mindset and you have to change this. So what do you start with? And everyone can argue for one thing or the other, but the reality is they have to shift sort of together and one leading the other. Uh, no, but, but no, I like that. The microfinancing, it's, um, there is a guy that lived outside my, uh, wife's building in India and he'd been there. I asked the family, like he'd been there forever. You know what I mean? Like the grandparents knew him. And he has a tiny little, basically like phone box on wheels. He's lived there for 40 years and he fixes shoes. And the most humbling experience happened for me because I needed to get my shoes fixed. And I have this, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, call it white guilt, whatever, right? I'm out there getting my shoes fixed for 30 cents. And I'm wanting to tip this guy $2. And he gets like visibly upset and like, like no type thing. And, and the guy I'm with is like, no, no, we don't, we don't do that. Like that's too much. And I'm like, these are like $200 shoes. Like he's done a ridiculously good job. You know, I had to wait for him to finish his lunch because he's got his priorities, but like, you know, I got them done. It cost me 30 cents. I'm trying to tip this guy like a hundred rupees, which is like two New Zealand dollars. Right. And it was this, I don't even know what, what to say right now, but like it was, it was this weird uh, experience for me. And the guy, the guy fixing the shoe didn't want to take the money. Yeah. Like he was like, he wanted to be paid for the job, but he didn't want to be, he, he was being paid what he had valued, what he was worth. Thank yeah. you. I've got a transaction here. It's like a, it's like a, this is my place is my transaction. I'm not going to, to do that, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was interesting. And it, and it came back to, to what I said to you earlier about, you know, families on the street, um, talking, telling stories. It was, a, it was a different mindset around it. There wasn't this, uh, you must give me this. Why do you have nice shoes? You should give me more type mentality. It was like a, I'm, pro, I, I'm part of the, this economy and this is the value that I'm providing and that I'm happy where I'm at. Certainly I'm wasn't a capitalist. Yeah. yeah certainly, yeah. certainly wasn't a capitalist. <laughs> I would have taken the tip. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, how can, how can more of us uh, sort of look at what we have and, and, and be more grateful, be more appreciative because there's so many, uh, you know, when, when we talk about the 1%, right? The, you know, you top 1% inequality and then you factor the world in and you don't just factor, you know, your town or your country, especially Western countries, you realize that we are all doing very, very well, like you said. 
and some perspective shifts i think for people is is important i think everyone needs to visit india uh and places like yes. that uh, yeah i mean i've never been by the way but i i think that more people need to be exposed to to poverty more yeah for yeah. sure yeah yeah um this is this has been really fun my friend i want to i want to ask you uh, one question that I ask everybody, and it's the most, for me, it's the most insightful and valuable part of it. I'm, I'm kind of writing everything down. And I'm going to make a little bit of a, a book out of it is um, what's the most important thing that, that you ever learned? That's a good question. I would say to love, to love God. I like that. I yeah. Like that. Well, I mean, to expand on that, it was, um, I mean, I never found any success until I did. I come from, uh, you know, I was I was broke and uh, you know very overweight. Even though even though I've gained a few pounds recently, but I lost sixty pounds. Uh, I, I come from uh, terrible health, a crippling anxiety disorder, terrible relationships, going nowhere, had no why. Uh, I used to live in an electrical closet on bunk beds with no hot water, no no uh, showers, no windows, and um, I never really had any success until I. Um, started to uh respect my uh relationship with god more mm. yeah, yeah that's that's that that's when because the thing is what people don't understand about i think what some people don't understand about god is that he actually really wants you to succeed and he actually teaches you how to succeed as a matter of fact when people ask me on podcasts like this like what's the best business book you've ever read i say any any one of the holy books because God teaches you how to do business in those books the right way. God teaches you how to take care of your health, how to take care of your wealth, how to take care of your relationships, all the things that, you know, there's multi-billion dollar industries that everyone keeps hiring people for and, and paying for. Uh, it's all there. It's all there in, in your holy book. It's just that none of us seem to follow it. So when I started to try to follow it a little closer, I... I started seeing success I never saw before. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I can relate and, uh, uh, and sort of beginning that uh, myself a lot more. Where can our audience connect with you online? Follow what you're up to. Uh, yeah. I, I got a new website. I think it's being published today, actually, funny enough. I hope anyway. It's been a work in progress for quite a many months which I shouldn't have said because that's a terrible example, but I, I suppose it just wasn't a top priority for me, but it's just my name, akbrashik.com. And on there, you'll be able to, we'll be able to find out more about the make more, give more as well. Yeah. Everything's there. It's one, your one-stop shop. Amazing. Thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate you. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Likewise, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode. So you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business, we're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. 
So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.